Welcome to the From Overwhelmed to Fulfilled podcast, where it's all about moving out of overwhelm and into fulfillment in your relationships, your business, your finances, your health. I'm your host, Selena Kipnis, a certified life coach and yoga teacher trainer. Welcome to episode number 38, Loss and New Beginnings, with my sister, my client, my friend, Hannah Arnold, aka Honey. So I will just start with saying that we are diving into the most service-oriented, selfless podcast we've ever put on From Overwhelmed to Fulfilled. And it is a very tender podcast episode. You may hear a lot of choking up. There may be be some crying. And just know that this is all from a place of service to really support listeners who are going through, have gone through, or will go through something challenging in their life and to inspire a message of hope. So with that said... Honey, Hannah, welcome. Hi, thank you. I invited my sister and client and friend, Honey, onto this podcast because she has a profound story to tell and she has a lot to share. And last week, actually for the past few weeks, I've been thinking about inviting her onto the podcast and really hesitating because it is a very tender season in her life. And I decided to just go ahead and ask her, like she could always say no, but she may want to share. And so I wanted her to share her journey, share what is working for her, what she's creating, um, both through coaching, both through her own inner work, and for her to share those things with you. So Hannah, will you start by just sharing some about your journey, about your story? Yes, Um, so let me just start by saying that um, I am a very private person and um, you know, I have, I think, very much associated myself with um, strength and really looking at um, the way that I have built relationships throughout my life with walls, um, with, you know, with safety for myself. And um, this is a big step for me in vulnerability and consciously choosing to be vulnerable with y'all because my hope is that it helps you and that you feel like you have someone who is willing to share um you know the 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 tender parts and the hard parts and to be completely honest with um grief and with loss and you know walls that you create there's not only safety within um but you also create a solitude and um I am consciously choosing to be vulnerable with y'all and talk about my loss experience um, and what I'm going through right now. Um, June 1st, 
actually it was um, the end of May. We went in, I was pregnant um, with a baby that I didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl. Um, we were waiting and we were gonna be surprised and my boys were very much hoping for a girl. And I told them repeatedly, look, we don't know, we don't know what it is. We're gonna be happy either way, y'all. So I didn't want them to have their hopes up too much. Um, but we had our um, our 36 week appointment and it was it was normal. It was a normally scheduled appointment. And um, my midwives, you know, towards the end of the of the appointment, they went to take the heartbeat of our baby and there they couldn't find a heartbeat. Um, so they tried and tried and it was the most agonizing probably it felt like hours you know but the reality is it was probably you know 15 minutes of them truly trying to find this heartbeat um and at that point they said we need to we just need to go get a check up and see you know what's going on well i knew you know, they had, they, that had never happened, that it had taken that long to find the heartbeat. So I knew at that point that there was something that um, was not right. And so we drove to the hospital and, you know, while we were driving to the hospital, I was feeling, I was feeling the baby moving. And so I thought that, okay, well, at least, the, you know, I, I can feel the baby moving. And so I think, you know, maybe there's something but maybe there's not you know maybe maybe everything's going to be fine and we got to the hospital and they tried um you know a few people and at, you know at, at the end they looked at me and they said we can't find a heartbeat and those were words that no pregnant woman ever 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 thinks she's gonna hear especially you know i was weeks away we were weeks away from meeting her and um it was a soul-crushing devastating and it still is um moment of realization but they continued to tell me what the next steps were and i i asked them to stop and I said, I can't, you know, I can't hear this. This isn't something that um, I'm ready to talk about because I know that I have a big God. And if there was a miracle, <clears throat> there was a miracle to happen, that that was the opportune time um, for, for God to show us how big he is. So we prayed, and um, I think a lot of times the prayer that we choose is, you know, God, let your will be done. And, um, you know, if it's your will, um, change the circumstance, change the event, change the hearts. And, um, you know, we, uh, we did, I didn't pray that. I prayed, God. Bring her back if anybody can do it. I know that you can, you know, show us a miracle. 
we love this baby so much and she's supposed to be here you created her you know you created her inside of me and i know you have big great plans and so show us show us grace and show us your love and we sat at lions gate bridge for hours and we went home and the um the doctors called me because we had left and it wasn't exactly what they wanted us to do but it was what i needed to do and um, they called and said we're not rushing you but we are you need to make a decision about how to handle this and they said it in a loving way but these this is my perspective you know they did say it and they were so patient and they were so kind but we needed to make a decision about how to proceed um, because there was some there was some risk of hemorrhaging for me um, so they really wanted us to come back to the hospital and to take next steps so we went back and i was praying i was still praying and i was still in psalms and i was you know though i walked through the valley of the shadow of death and um, I just kept reciting that and knowing that God is a big God. And we went in there and um, sorry for all the sniffling, but um, we went in there and um, we we did another ultrasound and we still didn't have her. Um, and so we we took next steps to deliver her and. Um, and we had lost her. Okay, so thank you so much for sharing that. You somehow got through that and it was so, you know, again, this is just a few months ago. So when you heard the words about, you know, you could possibly hemorrhage, like what came up for you when you were thinking like I could possibly hemorrhage right now? Like what was happening in your brain? So, so we, we got that call and we had that conversation over the phone and it was really, um, you know, Devin was really just there. Um, he was just, I mean, I can't imagine anybody, any better partner um, or a better spouse. Um, he, he was just taking the wheel on it. And um, he, he didn't, I don't think, I probably shouldn't speak for him, but um, I don't think he heard, you know, what I heard, which is, hey, uh, you are in a very bad situation at this point, And there is, you, you have a risk of hemorrhaging and, um, and you could die you know that is what was going through my head and so my babies were at um were at my in-laws house and they showed up for us and and they were with them and i can't imagine that because they uh they were just keeping appearances with those boys and um of course we we weren't ready to talk with them about any of this yet. Um, but I, you know, I was thinking, I want to go, it was, I don't know, 10, 10 PM. And I was thinking, I want to go, you know, hug my boys. Um, 
and I said to Devon, I said, Can, do you think I could go and, you know, go and just give him a kiss before? And he said, no, don't, you know, don't wake him up. And I thought, okay, he doesn't hear, you know, what I do. Um, so what really was cycling through my head at that point is, um, is my life up to that, up to that moment. And what had been important to me and who I was, um, how I had shown up, how I had shown up for my family and my friends and, um, you know, what I had done and the impacts that I had made. And looking back, you know, that was a moment of exceptional clarity where you can really see, you can really see yourself. And you can really see what you wish you had done and the risks you wish you had taken. And at no point when I was thinking, I might, this might be it. Did I think that I wish, you know, I had sold one more house or she's a realtor, if you don't know, and a, <laughs> and a real estate investor and very successful in that industry. So you didn't think about selling another house. I, I didn't think about what car I drove and I didn't think about, I didn't think about the money I had in my bank account or the level of success I had achieved in any wealth perspective, any monetary wealth perspective. What I was thinking about is the who is, you know, who am I leaving my kids with? How do they see me? How, how would they remember me? And how would my family and my, my friends, how would they remember me? Um, when everything else falls away, all of the material things you are left with, who you are and how you will be remembered, but really most importantly, how you will remember you. Because though you don't have any control of anyone else's perspective, you do see who you really were and who you could have been. Wow. That's so powerful. So how you will remember you, which I think just everyone listening is already like applying that to themselves. Like as you're saying that I'm applying that to myself, like myself, like how will I remember me when all the material things fall away, when we're confronted with death, which is guaranteed for all of us, how will we remember ourselves. Okay, so you have gone through this facing death. You have given birth to a beautiful little baby girl. She was absolutely gorgeous, dark hair. I mean, she just looked like she was sleeping. The My daughters 
it's their cousin they have a locket of her and they would just kiss her and say oh can't we just wake her up because she just looks like a perfect sleeping little baby you know so you've gone through you're you're in right now the grief you're going through the grief so now that you're in grief which i know some listeners have have gone through loss a year ago or years ago or currently like recent loss how are you doing it and like what are the things that are working for you and what are you struggling with so i'll tell you some of the things that i'm really struggling with um i think the finality of death and you know there's there's no changing that there's no there's no holding her you know again and there's no snuggles and there's no reading her a book and kissing her and you know seeing her graduate and have a family um the finality is really hard but what I know is that there's, there is death, which is part of life, and it's not necessarily better, and it's not worse. It's different than life. Um, and, you know, we don't know it, and we haven't experienced it among the living. Um, but what I know is that I have hope. I have hope through God and through his love. And there is death and she is in heaven. Um, and I know that there is not separation between the two of us. I know that I have, I have part of her and I see part of her in you and I see part of her in, um, in my boys and in Devin and in, in each of our family members and my nieces, I see her and I have that hope. Um, I have the hope of God because um, I accepted Christ at a young age, and um, when it was a very simple, simple thing to do, and I did four things that I know, and I am certain that I will see my daughter again, and that that brings me solace. Um, and I'm going to tell you the four things because I want you. To know where my hope comes from and i want you to feel empowered by by my path and and by my suffering and so when i was about six i i admitted that i, I i'm a sinner and that i need a savior i turned from sin and i asked god to forgive me I believe that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross and rose from the grave, and I invited him to come in and to send his Holy Spirit to control my life. Um, Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And because of God, I know where I'm going to see her again, and I have hope. And I can't understand why this happened. And those of you who are dealing with loss of your own, 
any kind of any kind of grief. It doesn't have to be loss of a loved one, but just loss and pain, and you're looking for a reason why. I would just say to you that there are things that can't be understood because I've tried. And what trying to figure out why leads me to is just more pain and more confusion and feeling a feeling a sense of being of her being used for something. And so that's not the thought that I will choose to have. And that is, that is not where I want to be in with her. What I want is to acknowledge that God has power over the tragedy and that it will work out for good and to believe that this is going to end well. I'm struggling with guilt and feeling like I could have done things differently. Because when you are carrying a baby and God is creating a baby inside of you, you're the host. And so I know that women everywhere who have experienced this struggle with this and so with that knowledge i can i can let those feelings go because they just they don't serve me but it is a it is a daily it is a daily hard thing for me okay so just to recap what i heard you say that is really helping you to go through the grief is clinging to God, your relationship with your creator and what, and also not asking why, not spending time on trying to figure out why and asking why. Is that kind of a very brief summary? Yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a brief summary. Beyond that, um, I think for me, the hope is so important and um the holy spirit also in this you know i'm not going to look at you because i would cry and we don't want that (laughs) uh but you know my sister and coach has um has just been an unbelievable person and support and, you know, it's one thing to read a book and to listen to a podcast and you get so much from those things. But it's another thing to have a real human being that you have a relationship with who is there for you and who is pouring into your cup and who sees who you share who sees you and who shares who shares a common heart and who hears your thoughts because you share them um, and and is there to help you and facilitate whatever it is that you're getting through 
Um, and in grief, that has been just, I, I can't, I can't tell you how important and how life-changing. I don't know where I would be. Okay, look at me. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. I love you. And thank you for sharing that, like that part that is so helpful, especially when we're, and this is something that many of us feel, and you felt it too, like that you should be able to do things on your own. You should be able to go through it on your own. Right. And so I really just want to acknowledge your vulnerability to be able to say, okay, this I do kind of think I should be able to do it on my own, but it's okay to get help. Absolutely. It's more than okay. Absolutely. And that has been something like I shared in the beginning, you know, that, that was very much me is, you know, I'm a strong girl and, um, I can, I can listen to my podcast and read my books and I can get through this. But when you really look at yourself and how we're created, and know that like being an island there there is not like there is strength in that but like when you're talking about real strength it comes with relationships with others and it comes with support from others but also being able to support them there's so much so much strength in that yeah which brings up another question you know people because we're sisters and we know similar people and people have asked me like how is Hannah really doing you know and you have been focused which I I also want you to share some more about your really like this new beginning and your new identity the the new you and this you know being in the community and serving other people and simultaneously grieving. And I think some, there's so much um, self-judgment and other judgment around grief and how it should be done. And sometimes you know, people will see you just, okay, she's active again, is she avoiding? Mm. But they don't know that you are processing, right, also. So will you just speak some about, first of all, that it's okay however you choose to grieve yeah. and kind of your new identity and how you're finding a lot of strength and service and just kind of what, yeah, about your new beginnings. Okay. Um, I do think that it would have been an easy route for me to take to really lean into my privacy and um, to, to maintain, um, the the singularity and the and the the walls um but when i really when i'm really with elizabeth and um when i have you know time really meditating and thinking about her um what i want is for the pain that i am going through and um her memory to not be wasted um and it would be it would be something that would be so um not that I haven't had days where I have gotten under the covers and um not come out, but that would be such a course that would have been easy 
easier for me to take. But when I, you know, in our conversations and talking to you about what to decide to make that pain into, um, I think I didn't, I didn't want to waste the pain. And I want to take the bad, incredibly painful, shattering thing and turn it into something good and, um, in a way to heal and grieve that um, that alleviates, you know, a lot of the fire burning pain, and um, is something good and is something that enables me to connect with others and serve others, and um, that for me is something that's healing. And don't be mistaken, I. I am a more private person. If you ask me one-on-one, I will share with you. But I am not one to openly, openly share most of the time. Um, So me being out there and, you know, going back to work and, you know, being in the community, that's my way of healing. Um, And I get in the car after seeing people sometimes, and I cry my eyes out because nothing that someone said or nothing that came up, it can be absolutely, you know, Elizabeth's name may not have been mentioned. It's just, it comes and it laces through the day. And, you know, being able to not avoid that, but let it happen as it happens is something that I am, I am allowing and, you know, I am embracing the thought that I'm strong enough to let myself grieve and to remember her and um, to cry when I, when I need to. And also for, you know, listeners who are looking for an organic kind of natural way to grieve and to remember your loved ones, your practice is really beautiful. Like waking up Mm -hmm. and will you just share a little bit about your practice for remembering? Sure. So, so every morning, um, I don't know how long it didn't start immediately, but pretty soon after we lost her, I, um, I started waking up earlier. I started right right before five, you know, to beat all of you who wake up at five. I got to be a couple <laughs> minutes earlier. Um, so I, uh, I wake up and I go into my office and I make my, I make my mushroom coffee and I take it and I light a candle for her, which we have here. Um, and I have her picture there on a, on a table. I, um, I do my devotional and I, it has, you know, it's a little bit different every day. I have my yoga mat and it just kind of is based on what I feel like I need that, that morning. Um, but I will write to her, which was something that you suggested that I probably wouldn't have done. And it has been really, really special. Um, and sometimes I talk to her like she is, you know, a baby and then other times I talk to her as if she um, is a woman or a young young woman and um, 
because I don't know. I don't know that theological piece of it, but I know that um, were she here, you know, I would have been able to have those conversations with her that I, I don't get to have now. Um, so I will journal, I will read God's word, I will, I will listen to a Joyce Meyer, I will do um, some yoga practice, you know, it's just time for me and her, and it's time to meditate and set myself up, and when I don't do that, because there are times I don't do it, it is incredibly difficult. That day is, that day is so hard, because it has been you know, that has been, that has happened a few times where whatever has come up, you know, I haven't gotten up and, um, such a hard day because I just didn't have that, didn't have that time with her. Okay. That's so helpful. So when you, again, like with this new identity, so you made some pretty big changes, like, as we said, um, Hannah is a real estate investor. She's a realtor and you're very successful in this industry. And you went from being more, more of your time going there to, you made some really big changes with homeschooling, changing your time priorities, changing your schedule. So how did you do that? And how can listeners do that without needing to face their face death to yeah. but to do it now. Right. Um, I will say that I would encourage you to to give yourself just set yourself thirty minutes, just thir- or ten minutes. Give yourself time and put yourself in that state. Put yourself in a state of something has happened and it is this is your time and it's not a car accident you know and it's not something immediate it's something where you have a few days left like really feel that and i think a lot will come up for you and most importantly you will have an exceptional clarity of really what is important how do you see yourself how do you see the way that you have lived and who you are? How do you see you? How do you remember you? Um, I'm trying to remember the other part I asked I know. you. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking of, you know, this combination. I got it. Okay, go ahead. Um, okay, for for the new where, where I'm at. Um, I do have to say, in addition to having, having that time where I really have perspective now, um, and being able to like get myself back into that, not back into that state, but being able to see what I saw in those moments, it makes everything else so much more simple, you know, because we have this tendency to, to overcomplicate things and to overthink. And when you have something on your heart, you know, and it's just this recurring thing that you want to do or that you, you know, want, want different or, you know, something that's just there, that thing is going to become so much easier for you to 
to to start to finish to it just looks so much easier it doesn't look as complicated and as i can't do this because no you have to do this because mm. you 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 don't have another you know there there is nothing else um, so you're saying when you're when you're thinking of death being like closer that it cuts all the excuses and it makes it more immediate like i have absolutely. to do this absolutely um i think that like before all of this, I was, you know, and I still am, I still do the podcast and I still read and, you know, I'm, I'm really big on, on evolving as a human being, you know, and um, I will say like coaching has been, which I don't know if that's a common thing for people who have faced, you know, an incredibly difficult life-changing moment, but you know, you have this grief, um, I don't know, it's a certification yeah. or, and that's really where we started is just, how do I see this? How do I see this, this moment and this shattering and this, you know, who am I? You know, how, how do I go on? But coaching now is still, it's still about that. And it is still about grief and, and the loss. But it's also about how to move forward and how, how we want to remember Elizabeth and how I really, what's important to me, how do I want to show up for life? Um, so coaching is such a huge thing. The, the other thing that really comes, comes from coaching is choosing to be a victor um, versus the victim mindset. And, you know, that looks like ownership and accountability and responsibility for things that um, before, you know, I think all of us have, you know, blame and excuses and denial about things. And when you fully see yourself as taking the wheel of your life and really owning it and being responsible for whatever the thing is that you feel out of control about but choosing consistently to show up in that way has made it very simple to to change to start homeschooling to you know we've talked about my values and one of the big values for me is impact. And what really has been laid on my heart in my pain and in, um, in, in how to process the pain is to take this terrible thing and take this loss and take all of, all of that pain and to do something that changes other people's lives um, in like very small ways. It's not, you know, it's nothing that you would say, oh, wow. It's like the little things of showing up for your friends and your family and your community. And more than any of that for me, it's a heart posture. Um, because, you know, in, in my thinking about my life and, you know, who I'm remembering myself as in those moments, 
it's like, that's what I did with my life. Like, that's where my priorities were, you know, and, it, and it's very clear, you know, at, at, in, that t- in that moment where your priorities were, because that's where your time went. Um, so. And I just want to give an example of like the okay. small things. Okay. So, for example, you have made like these little loaves mm-hmm. of some kind of like nice bread mm-hmm. and on the package there's a sticker. So and a symbol for her daughter Elizabeth was a butterfly. And on the sticker there's a butterfly and I know what that means, you know, and so I see that and I'm like, wow, that's so beautiful. And other people don't necessarily know, but that's like part of the service. It's right. like little the smallest act of kindness can sometimes change someone's day or their mm-hmm. week. You know, it's those little things. Really. So just to give the listeners like some ideas, specific things, like that's one really simple thing that you do that makes you feel good. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, the people that you're able to show up for and that you're able to, you know, I mean, and this is, this is my way of, of, of grieving and processing and, you know, changing my own life. It will be different for you, but the people that I have the opportunity to love and to pour into and to do these acts of service for, they are not necessarily the ones who are going to pour into me. You know, they are not necessarily the ones who are going to be able to love me the way that I need to be loved. And I think that that makes it all the more, it's not about that. You know, it's about showing up for people and doing, you know, for me, doing what God is calling me to do and um, what he's put on my heart, which is just those little things, because you just don't ever know where someone is at in their life and with their emotions and what pain they're holding. You know, as, as y'all know, as you have experienced, like you just don't know what can make such a huge difference to somebody. And you might never know, you know, they might never say to you, wow, that, that, you know, loaf of bread you made me made such an impact, but it's just about loving each other and seeing each other as brothers and sisters. And, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. Yeah. So do you have... Anything else that you want to share that's coming up for you before I ask you a final question, which is what I really, what you really want listeners to know. Is there anything before that? I think it's um, not to judge, not to judge yourself. Um, that's the big thing. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, not to judge yourself and not to judge whether it, you know, whatever pain you, you're experiencing, wherever you're at in your journey, not to judge that, acknowledge where you are right here in, in this moment and give yourself real grace and real love and acceptance. Um, if you have if you have something that you do want to do or someone who you want to be someone that you know your your future self something that you want to change the love of where you're at right now in this moment 
that is going to be the fuel to help you get to that person. If you can't love yourself where you are right now, you're not going to love the future you either. So give yourself grace and acceptance and move forward. Okay. Anything else? <laughs> we could go on for 30 minutes with anything else. No, but really, is there anything else? And while you're thinking about that, I'll just say to the listeners, I'm sorry for the, uh, we, you know, before we start recording this, we were like, oh, should we, how are they going to know who's who? Because people tell us we sound alike. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I hope you could, I'm sure that you could kind of get it, but we do sound similar. So, um, okay. Yeah. The last thing I would say that has been important for me in my, in, in, in this, where I'm at. Um, in this journey is being very conscious of your, this is kind of a weird term, I, I, it, of your dopamine selection. So really look and evaluate at where you are receiving those feel-good feelings, um, whether it's, you know, the social media or sugar or alcohol. I hear methamphetamine is the best for dopamine, oh, so hopefully we're not there. No. Um, but like really looking at where, you know, making that a choice and not something that's happening to you, um, I think it's a powerful thing. Okay. And so can you give listeners like two areas where they could, instead of, like going to those automatic like addictions or whatever, the yeah. alcohol, the shopping, the drugs, what are two long-term wellness and dopamine yeah. releases that they can go to? Um, let's see. I think that really depends on who you are as an individual. You know what things make you feel good um, that actually make you feel good. You know, I think I will be transparent and I would say, you know, trade social media for sex if you're married <laughs> or, you know, or if you're with someone, you know, that you love and, you know, like take, take something like that out and substitute it. And I think that you will really see the effects take, you know, um, and it can just be you're implementing something that's really good, but you know, it could be gardening for you. It could be yoga for you. It could be you know, for me, I don't cook, but I guess I'm cooking now. You're cooking. I guess I'm like cooking. Cook. <laughs> and that's something that, you know, feels healing for me. Mm -hmm. And it really says And even like good. the lighting a candle, like you have this yeah. candle that you're lighting. Yeah. You are, like to dress in nice colors, wearing this beautiful yeah. mustard color dress. And yeah. just like things that are aesthetically pleasing that feel right. good too, right. right? Right. Do things to love yourself and... um you know, like take the, a take a shower, take a shower, <laughs> do your hair, you know, yeah. like put on some nice clothes just to run an errand or yeah, yeah. you're worth it. Okay, honey, let me hold your hands in mine. I want to just say thank you. You can look at me. It's okay for you cry now. <laughs> I want to just tell you how appreciative I am and everyone listening for your vulnerability. I now I have to look away because I'm about to lose it and I'm talking, but I have seen you truly transform and take 
something so challenging and really create a metamorphosis and you have become a butterfly and you've created a new beginning. You're present, so much more present with your friends, with your family, with your children. I see you more patient. You've changed your schedule and your time and you spent more time with the boys and your life is beautiful and it's inspiring. And so to all the listeners, may you not need to face a really challenging wake up call, but today start living the life that you want, even if it's a small step, or maybe you're ready to do something massive and take big action, do it. For those going through grief, I hope that you feel nurtured in Hannah's voice, that you feel support and that you know that there's no right way to grieve. That Hannah's story is Hannah's story and you have your own story and it is valid. So if this is helpful for you, if someone comes to mind who you think that this episode would be helpful for, please share it. We're sending you all the love in the world. Anything else, honey? No, um, I would say to your listeners, yes. <laughs> I would say to your listeners, if you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me to talk or to share, like I'm here, and um, I would, I would love to be there for you and be able to support you. Um, How can they contact you? They can contact me through social media. I feel like my phone number is everywhere, but okay. also Selena is my sister, so you can get her con- my contact on her. And what's your handle on social media? Okay, I just changed it. Okay. So I think it's hannah.arnold.va. Okay, on Instagram. On Instagram. And hannah.arnold.va. Yeah, we'll put it in the Facebook, show notes. It's like just Hannah Arnold. So yeah. Hannah Arnold on Facebook. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes so you can connect. Be vulnerable, just like Hannah was. Get out of your comfort zone. Yep. Who knows what's on the other side. Namaste.